Life is short. Say amen. Luke chapter number 15. Turn with me real quickly. And I'll read just a couple verses and let you sit down today. Isn't the Lord good? Why, why are you turning? Uh, why are you turning? I, w- I want to I read this real quickly. Dear to Baptist Church, my name is Yolanda Flick. I live in Shelbyville, Tennessee. And I was visiting some family in Coleman, Alabama the weekend of August the 1st. I had the blessed experience to attend one of your wonderful church services. I attended the second church service on the 1st of August. I just have to let you know that uh, that is one church service that I can't stop talking about to all my friends and family. (laughs) I think that there is something definitely special about what you're doing there at Temple. In today's world, I, like everyone else, has to let day-to-day struggles interfere with my Christian duties. I walked away from your church service revived and wanting to let everyone know how great God really is. I teach a first through third grade Sunday school class and have noticed that my children have lost some interest in coming to Sunday school. Your church has given me so many ideas on how to open their eyes to the Lord. You haven't just touched my life, but have helped me touch the lives of my children. And for that, I am truly thankful. I just want you to know so much, or thank you so much for welcoming me into your church services. Anytime I'm back in Alabama, I'm definitely going to come back to Temple. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter number 15 and verse number 1. Oh, I'm emotional today. You know, you can't preach on hell without a tear in your eye. Luke 15 and verse number 1. You there? Say amen. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Say, who were they? It was those that nobody else wanted to be with. Publicans were uh, tax collectors. Sinners were those who, who willfully chose not to follow the law. They were ignorant of the law, so uh, the Pharisees, the religious crowd, let's put it in modern-day terminology, the religious crowd didn't want to have anything to do with them uh, because the religious crowd, they walked right and talked right and spit white. Say amen. Uh, we don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't run with those who do and, and, and we're so sanctified, uh, we, we irritate each other. Say amen. We, can't, we don't have time, we can't mix with the crowd because we're separated. Well, God called us to be separated, but he never called us to be isolated. Listen, the sinners love being with Jesus. They came to hear him. Then the Bible says, And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious crowd, the church folk, they said this, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. I looked up that word receiveth. You'll take your concordance to look it up. It's got a threefold meaning. It means to accept. It means to accept. Just accept them like they were. They didn't have to put on a three-piece suit. They didn't have to quit their language. They didn't have to do anything. He just accepted them like they were. He allowed them. He allowed them to be who they were and what they were. And the third part is he awaited. In other words, Jesus wasn't just wasting time. He was not just ignoring their behavior. He knew if they hung around him for just a little while, they would not leave the same way. I'm telling you, you cannot come into the presence of the Messiah. You cannot come into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and leave the same way you came. The problem is we're trying to change him before we get to him. And I promise you this, you can't change anybody. He allowed them to be who they were. He just received them like they was. He hung out with the sinners. And he spake this parable unto them when he heard and he knew what they were thinking. 
He said, what man of you, now now he's not talking about the sinners here, he's talking to the religious crowd. He says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was, which was, I say unto you, I say unto you hypocrites, I say unto you church people, I say unto you religious crowd, there shall be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons sitting in the church who don't need it. Did you get it? Father, in Jesus' name, help us right now. God, give me what I need to say. Don't let me say anything arrogant. Don't let me say anything out of the way. Don't let me say anything I don't need to say. But Lord Jesus, don't let me forget anything I do need to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This next couple of weeks, I want to really focus on a topic that many times it's, it's not politically correct. You're not going to see it much on TV. Uh, you're not really not going to see it in, in, in Texas. Uh, uh, I I, I want you to have your best life now and I want want you to be wealthy, wise and healthy and all that stuff but I tell you what, I want you to go to heaven I don't care how good you got it here on this earth if you die and go to hell, it's been for nothing the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul Talking about being lost is very, uh, uh, it is very convicting, number one, but, but it, it is also sometimes it, it will put you in a place where you don't want to talk about it because how many of y'all realize nobody likes to be wrong? I don't like to be wrong, and I sure hate it when I'm wrong with my wife. Say amen right there. I don't mind being wrong to anybody but her. Amen. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Nobody likes to be told they're a sinner. Nobody likes to be told they're not good enough to get into heaven. But I got news for you. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all come the same way. We all come the same way. Nobody gets to heaven any other way. We all, the ground is level at the cross. And I want to talk just a few weeks on, we, we were going to do, I know what we advertised and put in the bulletin, we was going to start the series on the family. But after last week, God began to move in my heart and let me see, we need to focus on this right now. Listen, two, two teenagers got wonderfully saved Wednesday night. And I mean, I'll tell you, I was on cloud nine. I, I, was able to, I was able to share the gospel with Darius when he got saved. Most of the time, I have altar workers down here, and I don't get that opportunity, that hands-on personal deal. And, buddy, I'm telling you, I was walking that high off the ground. There's nothing like that right there. I'm telling you, there's nothing like that. And, boy, God began to put in my heart how important it is that we need to get a heart for lost people. Churches have become, listen, they've turned from being fishers of men to keepers of the aquarium. All the focus is turned inside, and it's all about me. It's all about my needs. It's all about my wants. Well, Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered to. I didn't come for somebody else to serve me. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister. In other words, I'm not here about my preference. I'm not here about my needs. I come to see those that were lost and see them saved. Lost. Lost. What a... 
What a powerful word. You know, sometimes when, you, when you're saved for a period of time, when, you, when, you, you, when you've been a Christian for a period of time, you, you, you begin to speak the lingo. You begin to speak Christianese. Say amen. And, and, and a lot of times we forget that people who've never gone to church before don't have a clue what we're talking about. They don't have a clue what we're saying when we, when we use some terminology that we grew up in church. I'm telling you, I grew up in church my whole life. It's all I've ever known. I can speak Christianese with the best of them. But you know somebody who's never gone to church? They don't know what I'm talking about. They don't know what I'm talking about when I say he's a propitiation for our sins. They can't even spell it. They don't know what we're saying. So I, I, I said, Lord, what, what do we need to do? Today, the first thing we need to do, I want to talk about the lost themselves. I want to talk about the lost themselves. Before we talk about our responsibility to them, before we talk about what God has called us to, we need to know who the lost are. What does it mean to be lost? What does it mean when we say, are you lost? Or say, I got a GPS, man, I'm not lost. See, that's that's what they're thinking. They don't know. Lost? Lost from what? I know where I'm at. I'm in Coleman, Alabama. Lost? What do you what do you mean lost? Where do you get that terminology lost? We get it from God's word. It says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And he uses the term here when they were talking about publicans and sinners, those that did not know God, those that were living a lifestyle contrary to the scriptures and the law. They were, they were called and, and accused of being publicans and sinners. And God, he, it, through the Lord Jesus Christ, began to describe them. And he said, how many of you would go and not go find that one lost sheep? And he's comparing those who don't know Christ as being lost. How many of y'all have ever... How many of y'all have ever been in the woods before and got turned around and got lost? I mean, really, sure enough, lost. Getting lost in the woods is different than getting lost on the highway. Because if you stay on the highway, sooner or later, you're going to come out somewhere. Are y'all with me? Don't ask me how I know that. But when you're in the woods, you can spend three days in a quarter mile section of woods going around in circles and circles because you think you're going one way and you just keep going around in circles. And I'm telling you, there is no feeling in this world. I can get lost in my closet. I don't know what, I I just have no whatever. Thank God for GPS. They've got GPS uh, collars now and it's wonderful. It'll hit a button and it'll take me right back to the truck. Thank God. But I've been in the woods and I've been lost. I've been turned around. And I'm telling you, when you you finally, because you think you know where you're at, and you keep walking and you keep trying and you keep looking for something that looks familiar. And then when you get to that place where you find something that looks familiar because you've done past it four times. And you realize all of a sudden, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. And most of the time when I got lost, it was dark. I was coon hunting. I was out there. I was... And buddy, I'm telling you, if you've never experienced that, that's one of the scariest feelings in the world, is to realize if something happens, I may not find my way out of here. I'm lost. I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how to get to where I want to be. That sheep, that sheep just wanders off. Brother Chris, they're, they're, they're not trying to. They didn't do it deliberately. They just get caught up with eating And they don't lift up their head. They don't know where they're at. They just keep seeing grass and just keep going and going and going. And then they turn around and they have no idea where they're at. 
life is the same way. We go about our life every day. We don't mean to, we don't realize it, but we are just so caught up with our life and the things of our world and, and all of this, and we realize and turn around one day and we realize, where am I at? Where am I at? I've wasted half my life. What am I doing here? My life has no purpose. My life has no direction. I just go to work and come home, go to work and come home, go to work and come home. I have no purpose, no direction. I have, what, what am I doing? And Jesus says, you're lost. Lost. Let's, let's describe this. Let me give you three quick things and we're going to pray. Number one, I want you to see the description of the lost. A biblical description. I don't care what Dr. Doodle Digger said. I don't care what Mama said. I don't care what Paul Paul said. Everybody's got their opinion about what, about what a lost person is. But the only opinion that matters is God's word. Well, I tell you, this is how I feel about it. I don't care how you feel about it. And I don't mean that arrogant. I don't mean that smart. Because your feelings are irrelevant. Too many people bring their feelings into church and bring their feelings to religion. And, and here's the problem. Your feelings will change. Your feelings will change like the weather. One day you will feel like ice cream. The next day you won't. One day you'll feel up on the mountain. One day you'll feel down in the valley. One day you'll feel excited. One day you'll feel sad. One day you'll feel happy. One day you'll feel the feelings change with the weather. But facts never change. And I'm glad my salvation is not based on my feelings. It's based on the fact of God's word. How does God describe sinners, lost, the description of the lost? I want you to see this. If you're taking notes, write this down. It should be in your bulletin. You want to fulfill that and follow that. That's fine. But the description of the lost. Hey, I want you to see the pattern they expose. The pattern they expose, the pattern of their life. Ephesians chapter 2. This is a great description. This is a great description of the lost. It says, and you hath he quickened. The word quickened means made alive. You have, how many of y'all have ever been snapping your fingernails or, or clipping your fingernails and got into the quick? And, 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 and you, you, you said hallelujah when that happened. Amen. You know why? Because your fingernail's dead till you get to the... And that means it's alive. That means don't be poking around in the light. Are y'all with me? And he's saying here, you have to be quickened or made alive. You have to be quickened who were dead in your trespasses and in sins. Now watch how it describes it. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also uh, we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling, here's the key. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. What does that mean? We just did what we wanted to do. We just fulfilled whatever we wanted to do, uh, live any way we wanted to live, did whatever we wanted to did. Uh, all of that, however it was, you know, it's that the old philosophy in the 60s, if it feels good, do it. You know, whatever it is, it's just fine. What I just lived my life for me. I was by nature. It came easy. I didn't have to work at being a sinner. I didn't have to practice at being a sinner. I didn't have to go to school to be a sinner. I was good at being a sinner because it is what come natural to me because of what Adam sinned in the garden. It gave me that same nature. My daughter, uh, Jordan, when she was a little old bitty thing, 
I had a, I had a, a plastic tag on the front of my, uh, 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 my vehicle, and, and I was sitting there watching her at church, and, and she was playing with it, you know, and pulling on it, and it just snapped. It was a plastic tag, and, and it snapped. And, 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 and you, know how, you know how when a kid does something, they know, I shouldn't have done this. And it was before she was old enough, it was before she was old enough to talk, it was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. What age is that? Does anybody know mamas? Anybody know what that age is? About two years old, that's, that's about what she was. I mean, just enough to say, uh-huh or uh-uh. And I said, and she turned around and looked at me with the piece in her hand. I said, Jordan, did you do that? She said, uh-uh. <laughs> now, I've never sent her to lying school. I never sat down and told Jordan. I said, Jordan, now this is the proper way to tell a lie. I didn't have to do that. It came natural. See, you don't have to rob a car to be a sinner. You, you don't have to rob a bank to be a sinner. You don't have to kick somebody in the teeth to be a sinner. You do that because you are a sinner. We were born sinners. I had an older lady in the church at Long Branch tell me, well, I've always been a Christian. I thought to myself, no, honey, you ain't neither. Because there was a day when you were born, you were born a sinner. You were not born a Christian. You were not born saved. You were not born godly. You didn't know about God. Didn't have anything to do with God. You were lost and undone without God or His Son. Everybody comes in this world the same way. I was, listen, I grew up in church my whole life. I wore three-piece suits, cowboy boots. I was a little preacher boy. Everybody had a little old lady by the name of Miss Granny King. And she was about that big. She was just about as tall as I was. And she'd come up to me and pinch my cheeks and about tear them off. And she'd just say, oh, that's my little preacher boy. And I could quote scripture going up and down. I'm telling you, I could quote more in the fourth grade than I can now. I can't remember anything now. But I was lost. Dad would take us on visitation to show off. He'd sit us down and say, all right, quote chapter so-and-so, quote chapter so-and-so, quote chapter so-and-so. And, you know, it's amazing. Everybody thought I was in, and I was out. Because, see, it ain't, it ain't about what your heritage is. It, it, it didn't matter that my dad was a preacher. It didn't, it didn't matter that my family was going to church. It didn't matter that I was raised in church my whole life. It didn't matter that I could quote Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. I was born a sinner. And I lived, listen, I did things, a pattern of doing what I want to do. It didn't matter what God wanted. It didn't matter what it meant. I just fulfilled my life. I did what come. It's amazing to me that Christians get mad at sinners for sinning. Look at that old drunk right there. Well, there's the, that's, they're doing what comes natural. You know, you, you, get, you get mad at a dog for chasing a cat. Why? They're supposed to. Thank God. Say amen. Cat people are going to hate me today. But a dog is supposed to, they're doing what comes natural. You know, it's amazing to me. We, 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 we as God's people will look down on people for doing what comes natural. Look down on people that was doing what you was doing before you got in. They were living their life. Lost people, they have a pattern of fulfilling their Wishes and desires. It said, according to your own, the lust of your flesh. And what, means, what that means is a desire. Just whatever you desire, you did your thing. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Now watch this. Now listen, I want you to understand this quick and get this. Because we're fixing to, we're fixing to tread in some deep water. All right? And the reason we're doing this is because I don't want nobody to leave here lost. 
Me and my cousin were talking yesterday, uh, you know, about church and, and, and things and, and what this group believes or what that group believes and so forth and so on. And in and, uh, and, and, and this group, we believe in eternal security. In other words, we believe in once saved, always saved. Once you're in, you're in. The Bible says you're sealed until the day of redemption. But you know what? Before y'all get to hooping and hollering and amening, I believe sometimes, I believe sometimes in the Baptist church, that can be a dangerous thing. What are you talking about? You don't believe in eternal Yeah, I believe in eternal security. If you really get it. But here's the problem. There are people that prayed a prayer when they were six or seven, and, and nothing ever changed in their life. Nothing was ever different. They kept on living the same life they lived before they said a prayer. Let me tell you something. You can quote the whole Bible and go to hell. Let me give you a verse. I see some of you looking cross-eyed already. Look at this. Look at this. The Bible says this. Now, this is going to get tight, y'all. I'm, I'm telling you, this is going to get tight. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. We're still in the description of a sinner. Are y'all with me? Everybody with me? He's describing what a sinner is, or a lost person, we say. We not only see the pattern they expose, but the practice they engage. And I use that word practice on purpose. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, wait a minute, preacher. There's nobody perfect. Now, come on. Now, are you telling me? If you're saying, wait, wait a minute. See, this is a good reason that you need to study God's word, not just skim God's word. The word committeth here means to practice habitually. Say that with me. Practice habitually. Say it with me. Practice habitually. You say, what, how do you know that? Because the Bible never contradicts the Bible. It will never contradict itself. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we say that we have, or verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you think that you're going to live a sinless life, you're kidding yourself. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. God is not saying that you're going to be sinless. It means you're going to sin less. Say amen. Your life will not be a habitual life of practicing sin. It will not be something that comes natural to you in such a way. A sinner that's saved is different than a sinner that's lost. A sinner that's lost will keep on doing it with no ramifications, with no concern about their lifestyle, with no concern about their sinful behavior, with no bearing on the matter. But if you ever have the Holy Ghost come into your heart and save your soul and change your life, you may sin, but you don't want to. You may sin, but it'll break your heart. You may sin, but I'm telling you, you'll wish to God you didn't, and you'll look for God to come in and forgive you when you do. You can't just keep living the life that you used to live. You can't just keep doing what you used to do. Listen, it won't work that way. Paul, excuse me. Peter thought he was going to go back to his old way. Peter thought he was going to go back to his old lifestyle. He said, I'm going back to fishing, boys. And you know what? He fished all night long and caught nothing. Why? You may go back to the dance floor, but you won't enjoy the song. You may go back to the bar, but I guarantee you, you won't enjoy the beer because there's somebody in you that won't let you enjoy that lifestyle anymore. His name is the Holy Ghost. In the moment 
moment you get saved, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Everywhere you go, He goes with you. Every place you are, He is with you. And I'm telling you, when so, hallelujah, when God gets in you, you won't never be the same. Listen, when those things happen and when those things take place, I'm telling you, it'll break you down. God will convict you. I, and, and let me say this. Let me say this. I've done said enough today. Let me say this. I don't believe, I don't believe in being out of the will of God for 30 years. Well, I've just been away from God for 47 years. I don't believe that. Well, why don't you believe that? Because I can be out of the will of God for 47 minutes and I'm about to die. Me and my wife can get into an, a, a discussion at the house. We can be, yes, discussing a situation and it not be real civilized. And I can leave the house. And I'm telling you, when I'm pulling out the driveway, the Holy Ghost has done crawled up in my truck and say, boy, that was real preacher-like of you. I tell you what, boy, that was Christ-like. I mean, all the way to church, but God, you know it was her fault. Lord, you know I was right in the whole situation. The Bible says, forgive that you shall be forgiven. Oh, but God, you know I was right. Come on, by the time I'm pulling in the parking lot, I'm dialing my number and saying, baby, I'm sorry for what I've done. Why? Because the Bible said, whom he loveth, he chasing it. And you're without chastening you're a bastard and not a son if you can live that lifestyle and God not correct you right away something is wrong you say preacher what are you talking about you just cussed in church no I didn't the word bastard means illegitimate there are so many places you know why so many churches are having problems today because there's so many lost people running them There's so many lost people in places of leadership that don't have no business being there. Listen, they have come in and they felt comfortable and they've moved right on into a leadership position. They've never been converted. They've never been convicted. God has never changed their life because they come in and felt comfortable. They like the singing. They like the atmosphere. They like the church experience. But they've never been saved. Now I'm telling you what, it is killing and crippling churches today because we need people who know Jesus as their Savior. We don't need people to play church on Sunday and play the hypocrite on Monday. We need people who love God. I'm telling you, the greatest detriment to the cause of Christ is people claiming to be Christian and living an alternate lifestyle. Lost. Pure without chastening. My, my parents had no issue when it come to the rod situation. You know that spare the rod, spoil the child stuff in the Bible? That's the only verse my dad had memorized. <laughs> only one. Randy, it's the only one your dad had memorized. Buddy, we didn't have time out. A whipping fix anything. And there was no, <clears throat> this one, two, yeah. Yeah, okay. Don't do that. I mean it for real. Don't do it. No. I'm talking about the fear of God. Do you understand me? That's why kids are acting stupid today. They don't have that no more. That's right. I said it. I recorded it. I'll sign it. Amen. I just don't know what to do with little Johnny. I'll tell you what to do. 
Send him to my grandma for about a month. He'll come back saluting and singing Yankee Doodle Dandy. Say amen. You know why? They expected us to mind. They didn't want us to be a thief. They didn't want us to be a drug dealer. They wanted us to be a model citizen. So they made us mind. They made us behave. They Listen, by the way, they made us submit to authority. And the big problem with most young people today is their parents ain't submitting to authority. What has this got to do with anything? I'll tell you what it's got to do. If you belong to God and you do wrong, God's going to get in your stuff. And if he don't, and he hadn't been, you don't belong to him. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, but I'm saved because back during so-and-so, I said a prayer with so-and-so, but I'm just away from God right now. Are you kidding me? Randy, you here? I finally got a witness of this situation. Was there ever a question when we got a whooping that we got a whooping? Not a question whatsoever, was it? Or to anybody else in the neighborhood? No. No, you, you know you got one. You didn't sit down for three days. And when God gets your attention, you know it. Did anybody's parents ever talk to you while they were whipping you? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your, come on, be honest. I told you not to do that. If you ever do that again, are you going to do it again? No, Dad. I, I, are you going to do that? Why are you asking me a question? You know what I'm going to say? <laughs> you ever going to do it? The whole time. You knew what was coming. You knew what was happening. If you're without that, if you're without that, you need to get. Don't worry about them. God's dealing with them. God may be dealing with you. This is why we're here. I want to be in. I want to know. I want to, I want to know without a shadow of a doubt. When I leave this building, if I was, me and my cousin was coming down the road, and there was a semi run off the road right there at the interstate, backed up the whole interstate, you know what? He may, it could have been very easily possible for them to leave this world without Christ. You're not promised tomorrow. I'm going to sow my oath so I get old. You may not get old. You need to know Jesus today. What was number one? Say it with me. Number one. Description of the lost. Number two. Look at this. The dilemma. The dilemma of the lost. The dilemma of the lost. They got a problem. What is their problem? Let me show you a verse. Let me show you a verse. The Bible says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is so scary. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But if the gospel, our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath, come on, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. What is the dilemma that we're facing? What is every lost person facing in their life? Number one, it's the activity of Satan. Satan is actively trying to pull you to hell. Satan, the Bible describes him as a murderer, as a thief, 
as a liar and the father of all lies. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion roaming about. Brother Scott, he's on the prowl all the time. He's roaming about seeking whom he may devour. He's on the prowl looking to see who he can destroy, who he can... And the Bible says devour. That means ultimately destroy, completely destroy, 100% destroy. He is after your life. He is after my life. He is after my kids and grandkids. I'm telling you, he is here to destroy. That is Satan, and he wants to destroy you. Right now, he's telling you. Right now, he is actively moving in the service right now, telling you, don't believe that preacher. Don't worry about him. He's too high strung. He had too much caffeine today. He's just upset at somebody. Don't you listen to him. It's all right. You've been a good person. When you get to heaven, God's going to weigh your good and your bad. I'm telling you this. If you're trusting in that, you're going to bust hell wide open. Don't you listen to the devil? Don't you do it? Please don't do it. He's actively lying. He'll lie to you. He'll tell you you don't need what he's talking about. He'll tell you you don't need salvation. He'll tell you, young people, this is, this is the most famous one. Are y'all listening to me, young people? He'll say you have plenty of time. Plenty of time. Scott Smith, the boy I went to high school with, died. I believe he was 24 years old. Graduated high school with me and Randy. Died in eternity right now. You're not promised tomorrow. I guarantee you we can all take a field trip and leave this building right now and go to the graveyard and there will be a tombstone with your age on it. Don't listen to Satan. He lied in the beginning. He's lying now. He'll be lying when God throws him into hell. The dilemma of the lost. There's the activity of Satan. But then this. This is, this is so important. The ability to see. The ability to see. How many of y'all, how many of y'all hated math in, in school? Hated math? God help us. I believe math was, was orchestrated and designed by Satan before he got thrown out of heaven. I hated it. I'm telling you, I hated it. Randy, he loved it. The jerk, Amen. He was good at math, always good. I hate it. I'm telling you. I think, here's my philosophy on the matter. I've got enough problems of my own to solve. Why do I need to go solve that teacher's problems? Amen? I hated math. And there were some things that just, it was hard for me to get. I mean, this person sitting beside me, they can just pick up on it and, and just click. Oh, yes, I have it. What do you have? I don't have anything. I said, don't make no, it just. And then there's that point. When it just, that didn't happen often with me, by the way. (laughs) But every now and then, and Gracie, when that teacher would just say just the right thing, I mean, it would just, all of a sudden, it all made sense. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you get it. It's like you were blind, but now you see. There was a day when many of you, you just didn't get it. You just didn't understand why anybody want to go to church on Sunday morning. Why would anybody want to read their Bible? Why would anybody want to go do this? They could be fishing. They could be at the lake. They could be playing golf. They just don't get it. Man, what are you? And then, boom. That's why the songwriter said, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I I see. What a great day. They saw. Some of y'all are in here, and the vision's still foggy, but it's clearing up. God's speaking to you right now. 
Here's what you're thinking. Oh, God, would he please shut up so I can go to that altar? You know why? Because God is clearing it up. Don't be too hard on those folks that's out there in the crack house. Don't be too hard on them people that's hanging out at the bar because they don't see yet. Don't be so critical on folks that, that, that are not in this building right now. They, they, they don't see yet. They're blind. Are y'all with me? The dilemma of the lost. That's why, that's why we got to fight. That's why we got to pray. That's why we got to work. That's why we got to do everything we can to open their eyes to the gospel of Christ. Lastly, number three. What was number one? Say it back to me quickly. Say it back to me. What was number one? We see the... Does everybody understand that? Can everybody understand who the lost are? I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've been in church. If you're practicing a life of sin, you're not saved. If God is not dealing with you about sin and things in your life, the Bible says you're not saved. That's what it says. You're just trying to confuse me. You're trying, no, I'm not. I want you to be sure. This, honest to God, this is life and death. The description of the lost. Number two, the dilemma of the lost. There's a problem. There's a problem. Satan's actively working against them. They're blind to the truth and what they need. Then last of all, I want you to write this down. I want you to see the destination of the lost. God help us. The destination of the lost. Jesus said, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. If, if thy hand... Thy hand offend thee, cut it off if thy eye offend thee. In other words, basically what he's saying, if there is something keeping you from heaven, get rid of it. If there is something, if there is, well, preacher, I won't be able to do such and such no more. Well, don't do it no more. Well, what will my friends think? I don't care. Well, if we go to hell, we'll just have a party. We'll go. You might go with them, but there ain't going to be no party. Jesus, hell is so bad. Hell is so bad, it would be worth you cutting off a hand and going into heaven crippled than it would be to go into hell with both your hands. Hell is so bad, it would be better for you to cut your eye out and go into heaven blind than to go into hell with both your eyes. Boy, when I begin to research this and see how much more that Jesus talked about hell than he did about heaven, it blew my mind. Listen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, please listen to this. Hebrews 10 verse 26, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. That word sin willfully doesn't mean if we make a mistake. The word sin here, if you'll keep in the context of the chapter, means to reject Christ. If we, if God becomes right now, right now what's happening, God is dealing with folks in this building. Right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, telling you to listen to what I'm trying to say. Telling you, you're lost, you need to be saved, you need to go forward. And listen, if you deny this, this is what it's talking about. If we do it willfully, if we reject Christ willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, you are receiving it right now. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. In other words, there's no other way to heaven. Jesus is the only sacrifice. Jesus is the only way you're going to get there. He is the only means to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But watch. But a certain fearful. What? what? A certain. A certain. 
looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Which, listen, he that disposed, despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite. The word despite means to, to uh, 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 ridicule, to uh, embarrass, to reject, despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. Read it with me, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Say it with me. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Everybody today can fall into the hands of a loving God. Everybody today can fall into the hands of of a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of forgiveness, a God of love. There's coming a day if you trodden underfoot what Christ has done for you, you're going to fall into the hands of a living God. And the Bible says it is a fearful thing. To fall into the hands of a living God. This destination of the lost, it's a fearful destination. But the saddest, this is the part I can't, I just can't fathom. It's not, it's not the fire. It's, it's not the, the brimstone and the Bible says where the worm dieth not. In other words, if, if you die with cancer, it's just going to keep eating you for eternity. The worm is that disease, is that, that thing, the curse that came upon earth. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. A place of darkness and despair and suffering. And you know, that, that's, that's, that's not what really, really gets me. It does, but it's just that it's so final. It's a fearful destination. But the worst part, Brother Doug, it's a final destination. When I stop and think about people that are in hell today and will never get out, will never escape, will never have any relief, the Bible says the rich man in hell, he opened up his eyes and he said, would you please send Lazarus and me dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my parching tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. He'll be tormented forever and ever and ever. So you have a soul that'll never die. The Bible says when God breathed in the man, the nostril, in man's nostrils, he breathed in him the breath of life and he became a living soul. That means never dying. In other words, God invested part of himself into every human being that will live for eternity, eternity, eternity. I seen a bumper sticker the other day, and it was made as a joke, but Brother Kenneth, it wasn't funny. It says it's not that life is so short, it's that you're dead so long. 
It's not funny, but it's true. Never get out. Why in God's name, Miss Donna, would you risk a short period of time on this earth of what the devil's saying is such a great life and it's a horrible life? Why would you risk that to spend eternity in hell? Well, I just don't believe. I just don't believe a loving God would send anybody to hell. God, a loving God ain't never sent anybody to hell. He created, the Bible says, He created hell for the devil and his angels. He didn't create it for you. He created a place of splendor and wonder, a street of gold and walls of jasper, gates of pearl. He has created mansions for you. But if you reject Him, there's only one other place. See, there's only two destinations. There's only two doors. Only two doors. Jesus is standing here saying, whosoever will, let him come. If you're thirsty, I'm the living water. If you're hungry, I'm the bread of life. Listen, if you're dying inside, I'm the resurrection. If you're looking, I'm your hope. I'm the peace that you're looking for. Come on. Come on. But God commendeth his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is saying, come on, it's great. Heaven's going to be so wonderful. I'm preparing you a place. Let not your heart, John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Come on, everybody. Come on. He's not over here saying, get in here. I'm sending you to hell. <laughs> That's not what he's doing. He's over here with open arms saying, come on, heaven's wonderful. But if you leave without God, I need your attention. Let me tell you something. The devil has so tried to disrupt this service right here. He's actively working. Look at me. Look at me. Five minutes. Look at me. Jesus is standing here welcoming and wanting you to come to heaven. And if you don't, this is what you're saying. Nah. I'd rather risk it. I'd just rather keep drinking. I'd just rather keep sinning. I'd just rather keep living my life because it's so fun. Please, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? Won't you come? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed. Come on, if you need to come, come. They're coming. Brother Dole, 